Welcome to Inspiring Legal, the podcast for in-house legal. Get insights, learn from peers, life lessons from some of the most influential GCs. If it's related to in-house legal, we cover it. For more inspiration, go to openly.com slash community. So welcome back to Inspiring Legal. Today, I am joined once again by Rob. Rob has an inspiring background, former GC and chief ethics officer at Airbnb, author to the bestseller book, Intentional Integrity, How Smart Companies Can Lead an Ethical Revolution. He also has a background from trust and safety in eBay. And today he's joining us to talk about integrity and how we in the legal community can inspire each other to create companies that stand out and help us all create a better online environment. So welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me, son. Rob, maybe for the listeners out there that don't know about you, tell them a little bit about your background and maybe also how you came about writing a book uh, that became a bestseller. Um, well, you know, by way of background, I was a federal prosecutor early in my career. I moved over to eBay in the early days of eBay back in 1999. After eBay became the general counsel of a company called Chegg, and then later general counsel and chief ethics officer at Airbnb, you know the uh, the the journey to writing a book it was not 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 an intentional one. Uh, I, I never thought I'd be an author, uh, but you know while at Airbnb, we I really noticed that the world was changing. In that, uh, you know, in when I was growing up companies were expected to do one thing and that was make money right you know that that's what a company did they were fo- supposed to focus on just shareholders and exactly how it got done wasn't as important uh, you know if there was bad behavior by leaders you know that tended to get swept under the rug it wasn't uh, wasn't talked about uh, you know if if the company had a little money left over and had a good year maybe they would uh, make a nice little donation and that was integrity Uh, But I noticed that the world has has changed. And I I think the internet has a lot to do with this. The world has become a lot more connected. And there's a lot more transparency. And with this connectedness and transparency has come increased expectations on companies. It's not good enough now for a company just to make money. People expect that, but they want more. They want a company that is also going to act responsibly in the world and actually solve some of the world's biggest problems. I think, you know, many of us are discouraged with uh, government's ability to solve them. And we are increasingly looking at companies to solve these problems. And, you know, there's pressure on companies from all directions here. Uh, Employees. Look, employees today want more than a paycheck, Stein. They they want to be Mm. part of something aligned with their own values. They want to be working for something that they believe is good and right. And they are increasingly putting pressure on their employer to behave responsibly. And if they see something they don't like, you know, in the old days, they wouldn't say anything. Uh, Today, 
what happens is they tweet about it. They post mm -hmm. blog posts about it, right? Uh, like Susan Fowler did with Uber, did her famous yep. blog post that really turned that company upside down. They go on Glassdoor and discuss it. Uh, they may they not only leave, they may leave noisily. They may leave mm -hmm. copying documents and taking documents to the government and turning in their old company. Um, and it's not just employees that are putting pressure on companies to behave well. It is uh, customers. We live in an age of conscious consumerism. Uh, that is, consumers want to do business with companies that have values aligned with their own. Um, so companies are increasingly under pressure to care about things like the environment because their customers do. If the, the company can align its purpose and its values with its, employ with, with its employees, it can be really powerful. Studies, there's a, a Harvard Business Review study that just came out that showed that when there's an alignment between the values of employees and the, the values of a company, Productivity is significantly higher. Employee retention is up. Um, and you know, even diversity and inclusion goes up. Uh, where that there's a misalignment, where, by the way, you may find in a company like Twitter, where there's a significant change uh, in the stated purpose of the company, um, that bodes poorly for the performance of the company going forward. Consumers will, if they, if they feel aligned with the company, they'll become ambassadors supporting a company. Uh, government, as well as raising the, the stakes on companies to put, push them and pressure them into behaving with integrity, to think about stakeholders beyond just shareholders, right? Mm -hmm. And we noticed all of this happening while I was at Airbnb, and I went to talk to the, you know, our founder, Brian Chesky. And you know, we talked about things like sexual harassment in the workplace and things that were going on at Uber and other large tech companies. And we came to the fundamental question, you know, how do you drive integrity into the culture of a company? How do you do it? Uh, we both agreed that it was important and mm -hmm. that it would actually help the business as well as be the right thing to do. But we weren't quite sure how to do it. But Brian, in, in, a very, in his very Brian way, looked at me and said, go big. <laughs> and we... Um, we went out and we created an integrity program where we openly talked about the importance of doing the right thing and what the right thing meant at Airbnb. And what surprised me, Stein, was how the employees reacted to it. Uh, they loved it. They, okay. It meant a lot to them to be working at a place that genuinely cared about doing the right thing and talked about it openly. And the program became really successful and uh, Employees talked about it, were inspired by it. It became really part of the culture of the company. And that's when my wife got involved. You know, my wife, um, early in her career, had been in the publishing industry. And, and so she said, well, you know, Rob, you got to write a book about this. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to write a book. I'm not writing a book. <laughs> I got a day job. It's called being a general counsel, and it's taking like 16 hours a day. And she said, no, but it's important to share this with other companies because most companies aren't doing the sort of things that you, you all are doing inside of Airbnb. You've got a responsibility. And I said, I don't have the time. And she said, I will get you a major publishing deal and I'll get you a writer to write it if you'll do this. So I'm like, sure, honey, you get me a major publishing <laughs> deal and you get me a writer and I'll, I'll do the book. Well, that was my mistake because, of course, uh, two months later, we had a ma two, two major publishers, both. Uh, competing for the book, and we had a writer to do it. And uh, 
that led to an 18-month process, really, where I, I gave the writer every Monday night for 18 months. Uh, and we wrote the book together. And by the time it was done, uh, I realized that, as usual, my wife was right. It was an important book to write. Uh, and one that I uh, have really been gratified to, to get the response from a lot of companies who, you know, people have read it and said, wow, this, a lot of this makes sense. We should be doing this. It's not only the right thing to do, it not only feels right, but it's actually going to make our business better. Uh, and, and so that's been the, you know, the a real joy, I think, in being an author. So, the, you know, the book's called Intentional Integrity and uh, available at fine bookstores everywhere. And I, uh, I, I hope folks uh, read it and get something out of it. So many of the uh, listeners today are working in in-house legal, many at tech companies, but others uh, being in corporate departments, but with the legal background. And often when you are the person within the legal team, either as a general counsel, head of legal, you're sitting with the responsibility when it comes to ethical behavior, when it comes to building trust in the business and it's often a, maybe an uphill battle to get it on the agenda, get people to buy in because you are using resources. You might be limiting the sales teams. You might be putting constraints on the business. So if our listeners are sitting out there and thinking, hmm, I'm doing okay, but I'm not really getting the impact that I was looking for, what should they be looking at? Well, you know, the first thing it has to start with is you've got to get buy-in from the top of the company. You know, I'd love to tell you if you're sitting in a corporate legal department that you can have a big impact uh, if the CEO doesn't care. But in reality, you know, the leaders are, I call leaders the thermostat of a company. Uh, not the thermometer, right? A thermometer takes the temperature of a room. A thermostat sets it. Yeah. By their words and their actions, uh, leaders create the environment, you know, the temperature where everyone in the company operates. And so if a leader cares about doing the right thing, all things are possible, right? So, you know, what I found was no one was talking about integrity. And, and so it started for me just by having an honest conversation with the other leaders in the company about what was going on. You know, look, every time you go online, there's another leader at a company who's uh, found guilty of some egregious behavior and a company is, you know, coming apart. You know, we've seen the problems at Uber. We've seen them at Facebook, uh, you know, WeWork, Google, uh, Theranos over and over again. And, you know, when you go in with those examples, it gets people's attention. And then when you talk about how with a little bit of effort, you can protect the brand and help mm -hmm. build the business, uh, that's when you start to get buy-in. And we, we had those sort of open, honest conversations you know, on the executive team at Airbnb and had buy-in. And then once you have buy-in, it's a matter really, I think, of getting employees engaged. I'll give you an example of one thing from the book one way to get employees engaged. It doesn't have to cost, it doesn't cost a lot of money. I didn't have a big integrity budget. Um, but, you know, one thing we decided was, you know, it, this was hard for me to accept, Stein, but uh, people don't like to come talk to lawyers. You know, it, it's hard, right? We're a little scary, I guess. Uh, um, people are reluctant to go into the legal department and, you know, tell legal something. They don't want to be a whistleblower, right? It's kind of scary. But, um, 
if you want to be a successful high integrity company, you've got to have a culture where people aren't afraid to speak up if they've got an issue. Um, so what I did was I decided that, look, legal doesn't have to own integrity exclusively. Uh, it is, I think, our responsibility to promote it and create a culture within the company. But look, there are a lot of people inside the company that can play a big role here. So what we did was we created a, a, an ethics program where we had ethics advisors. And what we did is we picked somebody on each team inside the company and each office, someone who was senior enough to have good judgment, but not so senior that they're scary. And we brought them into headquarters and we did three days of training on our code of ethics. We talked about common ethical questions, common issues that come up, what the biggest risk were to the brand of problems. And then we sent them back to their day job. And we told everyone in their team and on their office, uh, you've got an ethics advisor on your team. Here's, a, here's the person's name. You know them. Uh, if you've got a problem or if you've just got a question, you don't understand whether something is proper or not. You want to make sure you're doing the right thing. You can always go to HR. You can always go to legal. You can, you can go to the hotline, right? Or you can ask the, the uh, ethics advisor on your team. And what we learned was if people have a choice, where are they most likely to go if given those sorts of choices? And what we learned was that people would far more are far more likely to go to their ethics advisor, somebody they know, somebody on the team. There's not somebody going to legal trust. or HR, someone mm -hmm. they trust. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we would get over 100 inquiries a quarter to ethics advisors, which by far outnumbered the inquiries uh, that were coming in through any other channel. And I think it really taught us you know, the ethics advisors actually took the responsibility seriously and loved it because it, I think it, it helped their brand to be thought of as someone who had high integrity uh, that was responsible. They became our eyes and ears. They were in the meetings where I couldn't be in all the meetings, right? But they're in the meetings and they're the ones that would see things that I wouldn't see and understand issues that I wouldn't understand. And I think by having this network of ethics advisors, we became uh, I think known within the company is, look, we care. This is something that the entire company cares about. It's part of our culture. And the group would, would have a group chat when questions would come in that with the ethics advisor didn't wasn't sure of the answer. They would come back to the group. We would talk about it. We'd listen to each other. We made sure that a group was diverse so we got input from you know, different backgrounds and cultures and the like. And then we'd make the decision. But I think it, it ensured that the whole company was engaged in this exercise and move the culture. So I also guess this has a lot to do with change management, because if you're coming in and you're building a trust program and you're getting ethical advisors within the business, you're changing a lot. And with change, well, you also sometimes have to work with people to get them to change behavior, which isn't always the easiest. So how did you go about that? Um, you know, the, the first thing that we did was we started talking about integrity with new employees. Um, the, and because the best, the best time to get somebody right when they walk in the doors. So you create a clear understanding with all the new people that this is the way we operate the company. Like for example, I, I would do a, an integrity talk to all new employees. One of the things I would talk about, for example, was sexual harassment. 
like let's take sexual harassment as just a good example. You know, in a lot of companies, nobody really talks about it. There's just you have to watch a video for an hour that says how bad it is and gives you a hotline to report it. Uh, I would actually go live to the new employee hiring class. Every hiring class every week, I would go in and talk about it. And one of the things I would talk about would be sexual harassment. And I made it clear um, in not legal terms, but in very simple terms that it's wrong and that that's not the way that we operate at the company. Made it clear that no member of the executive team, all the executive team agreed they would have no romantic relationship with any employee in the company at all, simply to avoid any appearance issues, and that we wouldn't put up with it. And I encourage people to use any avenue available. But if they didn't feel comfortable with it, with HR or an ethics advisor or a hotline, they could come to me personally because I wasn't going to put up with it. And you know that led to I, like an example. One day I, after I did one of the talks, a woman came up to me and she was in tears. And I said, oh, my goodness. No, what did I say? What did I do? Mm-hmm. Right? And she looked at me and said, Rob, I just came from another tech, big tech company in Silicon mm-hmm. Valley. Um, my boss kept propositioning me and wouldn't let it go. And she said, I, I couldn't report it because I knew they wouldn't do anything. She said, I had to quit my job. She said, you have no idea what it means my first week at my new company to have an executive come in and to talk openly and directly about this and how that sort of behavior would not be tolerated. She said, because I know if I have a problem like that at Airbnb, she said, I'll come to you. So I think it it really starts by speaking openly and directly as a leader about some of these issues and what how you're going to operate because people take their cue from the leader. Again, the leader is the thermostat. They're setting that tone. So if the leader is speaking directly about it, plainly, authentically about how we are going to operate as a company, um, that makes it easier for the entire company to change in that direction. Because um, if a leader speaks that way, uh, people take it seriously. Um, you know, d- just by way of example, there's a Ben Horowitz, a, f- a famous venture capitalist CEO. He told me the story of how when he was a CEO, every quarter he would sit down with his CFO and they would sit down with the numbers, print it out in front of them. And Ben would always look at the CFO in this meeting and say, anything in these numbers that makes you uncomfortable? Anything in these numbers that's misleading? Anything in here that you were pressured to put in? Because Ben would then look at the CFO and say, well, we might miss a number. Our stock price might go down. Um, but we're not going to lie. We're not going to cheat. And we're not going to go to jail. And when a a leader talks so simply and with authenticity about doing the right thing, it changes everything inside of a company. But you got to have that from a leader. So it's it's about the tone from the top. It is absolutely about leadership openly talking about it. Not a not a fancy poster in the wall or a a beautifully written written paragraph in the code of ethics. It's about leaders leaders actually taking a few minutes, a few minutes, uh, you know, at, at a meeting and the like to talk about doing the right thing, and it uh, it changes everything. So you mentioned it yourself. What's been going on with Uber, for example, where you're also seeing top management all of a sudden 
personally being liable for behavior. Um, so I guess that also has an impact and gives both risks, but also opportunities for the community out there to really maybe push an agenda to move that ethical behavior. Well, yeah, uh, sure. The, the the case I think you're referring to is the you know, the chief uh, information security officer uh, yeah. at, at, at at Uber. The former chief information security officer was convicted actually of a of a crime in the United States for failure to disclose a breach, a data and, breach, a data breach uh, to the uh, the Federal Trade Commission. And yeah, sure. I, I think a, a verdict like that sends a strong message about the importance of, of openness and transparency uh, at, at a company. Uh, you know, it, it it was also, I think, you know, the the CEO of Uber, uh, an opportunity for the CEO, the new CEO of Uber, to distance, to try at least to distance himself from the old management at Uber, and to try to send a message that look, that's the way things were done in the past. That's not the sort of thing that we are going to do now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it, this is all part of this new, um, this new uh, expectation, uh, a, a set of expectations that's put on business and leaders. The stakes are higher. It, it's harder to be a leader in business today than it was 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, you you give great financial results, you're a great leader. Today. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to deliver great financial results. You've got to deliver great financial results. You've got to do it with integrity, uh, and you've got to do it by treating all stakeholders well, not just the shareholders. So, in your book, you talk about staying ahead of the um, ethical revolution. Um, can you maybe just enlighten the community and the listeners? What do you mean by that? Sure. Well. You know, the ethical revolution is the new world where employees and customers and governments have a much higher set of expectations on companies to do the right thing. So this is a, a two-edged sword, right? It, it, this wave can destroy a brand and destroy a career if you don't understand how the obligations have changed. Um, however, if you get it, if you understand that this Uh, new way of the world is uh, uh, is coming. It can actually help build your brand because employees want to be part of a company that has values aligned with their own. Customers want to support businesses that have values aligned with their own. Um, and and so what we see are companies that perform better on independent variables around ethics, compliance, and integrity. They outperform the stock market. They outperform their competitors. Right? It's a demonstration, really, of um, especially in the medium and long run, that's the better way to run your business. So, in the old days, I think people used to think that uh, you know all this do good stuff is fine, but we're here to do business. Uh, and I think what we're learning is the best way to do good business is to blend in doing good. Uh, as part of your business culture. So how do you then see social media? Uh, I think there is so much going on at the moment. Uh, one thing is Twitter, but also with Facebook or Meta, as they're called, with Google and previously 
having a slogan called, well, they're doing things for good. And that's not really what they're seen as doing anymore. So, so how do you see that whole kind of industry going? Well, I think, you know, social media has changed the world. It's connected us. Uh, and the, the, there's a beauty in being able to be connected with, with others around the world, but there's a dark side to it. You know, one dark side is it feels sometimes like we're all sitting behind a desk uh, alone in our homes uh, and, and we're not actually connecting with other human beings in a real authentic way. And I think that's troubling. Uh, another troubling aspect of social media is that the loudest, most aggressive, most extreme voices uh, have a tendency to dominate. And that, I, I, I think, is, is bad for the world, frankly. And uh, that's why I'm troubled with the direction that, that Twitter's going. Uh, because uh, I, I think social media uh, needs to have a strong hand to ensure that its platform um, isn't abused by hate speech misinformation and the like. Now, of course, that's a great responsibility because um, who decides what's hateful? Who decides what is information versus misinformation? And this is something where I give Elon Musk credit. The idea of a committee, some sort of a, a, an independent committee that can help here, uh, I, I do think would, would have a lot of credibility. It, it's in this world uh, where integrity can get gray, uh, different perspectives on, on an issue I think are really important. Uh, what has integrity may depend upon your background, your culture, your religion, how you were raised and the like. Uh, one person's view of something uh, you know, might not really fully reflect uh, a, a broader constituency. So um, I think understanding the responsibility that comes with uh, the role of mo of moderating a platform is really important. Um, but I think moderating the platform is critical. If you're going to prevent it, I think, from becoming uh, what Elon Musk described as a free speech hellscape. But if you also look at what has been going on for, let's say, the last five years, we've only gotten more and more regulation. And my own personal belief is simply due to the fact that, or that this is simply due to the fact that the platforms haven't been taking their responsibilities maybe as serious as one could hope, claiming that, well, freedom of speech is important and therefore we will not go in and moderate. We will not go in and limit the users and take responsibility. So using that kind of like get out of jail free card, whereas now that is now being tightened and tightened and tightened even more. So if you're sitting as a general counsel at many of these tech companies, I can understand if you're starting to get gray hairs because it is tricky. So what advice would you give to the listeners out there? Yeah, it, it is tricky. I, I do think that a number of the large companies, uh, let's well, take YouTube, for example. Uh, you know, I, I know that YouTube spends an enormous sum of money uh, 
on trust and safety, moderating their, their platform. Uh, and they're not alone. Uh, Facebook, uh, I've been critical of Facebook. I think Facebook has moved too slowly in this area, but they're coming around and doing it as well. Yeah, my advice is, you know, as a general counsel, it's your job to look around corners. And it's hard to look around corners. But I think recognizing the movement of the world. And again, the movement of the world is there are no secrets anymore. Transparency is incredibly valuable. Uh, and if something is on your platform or if you are doing business with something or somebody, it reflects on you. And it's not good enough to simply throw up your hands and say, well, it's free speech. I'm not really responsible. I didn't say it because you're promoting it and it's on your platform. Or you know, take a company like Cloudflare you know, that, that has been under criticism for who it has done business with. So I think if you're looking around the, corner, the corners as a general counsel, you have to understand that who you do business with and is just as important as how you do business and that there are no secrets in today's world. So assume everything's going to come out because if you try to keep it a secret, some employee is going to copy it uh, or write a blog post about it. Uh, if you you try to distance yourself from a customer, it probably won't work. Uh, you have to take responsibility for uh, the business that you have established. And falling behind and and ignoring that responsibility until the pressure builds and government jumps in and uh, the public starts speaking up about it, well, then it's too late. Uh, so the best thing to do in my mind is to get ahead of the, that those mega trends, really. Uh, take a little greater responsibility. See around the corners of the kinds of problems uh, that you might have so that uh, your business can actually benefit from that. And you know, your, your employee, you'll gain the respect of employees, customers, and government, and it will be wind at your back. So one maybe an inspiring advice to our listeners out there when it comes to establishing an ethical revolution at their company. Um. I'd say it's on you. Uh, like I, I remember when I first started talking to you know to Brian about it at Airbnb, you know, we started talking about the issue, and my first thought was, well, this is the, the world's really changing. Somebody needs to do something about this. That was really my first thought, and then my second thought is, wow, I wonder who that somebody would be, and. That's when I realized if, there were, if there's not an obvious answer at your company, it's probably you. Uh, because you have to recognize that it, as a legal leader, uh, if you don't do it, you're the one that's going to have to clean it up. So take ownership of it and take ownership of it in a positive sort of an upbeat way. Uh, you know, recognize the important role that you need to play in driving integrity into the culture of the company. Uh, it's great for your personal brand. But it's also, I think, critical for your business. And on that note, thank you so much, Robert. Uh, it was, in all honesty, an amazing conversation. We loved having you. And I am inspired. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to Inspiring Legal. Remember to subscribe. And if you want more information, you can always go to openly.com community. 
That was only.com slash community.